Hello, my Rebels. Today, I uh, take you through a press release from a very excited little company you might have heard of called Pfizer. They're actually not a little company at all. They're monstrously large, and they have big plans for your children, children as young as six months old. I'll take you through their press release, including their health warnings that I think they're hoping you don't read, but they published them. That's next. Before I get to that, let me invite you to become a Rebel News Plus subscriber. It's the video version of this podcast, so you get all the other production elements, all the photos, all the video clips, all the charts and graphs, and unfortunately, my ugly face. But it is the video version. I think it's very well done, if I may say so. Um, I think it's worth viewing. You also get Sheila Gunn Reed's show, David Menzies' show, Andrew Chapito's show. But actually, there's another reason I'd like you to subscribe, and it's because we 100% rely on our viewers for all our revenue here. We do not take money from Justin Trudeau's various bailouts. So frankly, even if you have no plans to ever watch a Rebel News video, consider subscribing just to keep us alive. Go to rebelnews.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. I'd be grateful. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, great news for Pfizer. Their gene therapy vaccine is now for kids. It's April 1st, and no, this isn't an April Fool's Day joke. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. You know the coronavirus doesn't affect children, right? I mean, it's as close to zero as possible. Um, here's the latest from Health Canada. 22,655 people in Canada have died from COVID-19 or with COVID-19. Uh, that's important to remember. So 15,580 of those people are 80 years old plus. You see that? Another 4,300 are 70 to 79 years old. See that? 1,772 are 60 to 69. So if you add that all up, people 60 years old and older represent 96% of all COVID-19 deaths. And if you look at the other end of the age spectrum, ages 0 to 19, you can see that, according to Health Canada, they represent 0. 0% of the COVID deaths. It's actually a tiny bit higher than that. It's 0.03% because they claim that six people out of the 22,655 deaths were under age 20. Now, I've seen some reports about those six unfortunate kids, and there's some doubt in my mind as to whether you can accurately ascribe their deaths to the virus some of those kids had terrible underlying pre-existing conditions. They were very sick to begin with. I'm very sorry for their passing, but you can see for yourself, it is next to zero death toll for the kids. Almost zero. They say 0.0%. Even though people under 20 years old make up 21% of Canada's population, according to Statistics Canada. So people under 20 are about a thousand times less likely to get sick than anyone else. I mean, that's why kids just don't care about this anymore. They don't believe the hype anymore. Here's a scene from Montreal our reporter Yankee Pollock covered the other day. It's springtime in Montreal now. It's nice out now. Kids have been cooped up for a year now, just sitting at home, getting fat, watching Netflix, staring at their phones. And a hundred or more kids decided to go to the park to say hello to each other politely, listen to some music, there was no fighting. There was nothing bad. Just kids getting outside, getting some fresh air, talking to other normal humans, maybe getting off their phone for a moment, getting a social life back, being normal, healthy people again, stopping the fear. I think it's the healthiest thing those kids have done in a year. My favorite or least favorite part of that was when that one cop car pulled up and the lady cop starts shouting at the kids on her loudspeaker, threatening them with fines. And the kids absolutely ignored her. What was she going to do? 
get out in the car and chase some of them in some big game of tag and catch them. She actually threatened them with a $1,500 fine. Is that even legal? I love that the kids ignored her. I hate that the police are building a generation of children who disrespect and distrust the police, though. But that's the fault of the police for doing foolish political errands, no common sense, instead of actually protecting people and fighting crime. Those kids are not at risk of anything. To say otherwise is junk science. There are about 8 million kids in Canada, and by that I mean people under 20. 8 million kids, six of them allegedly died from the virus. That is less than one in a million. Anyone who tells you otherwise is trying to scare you, and you'll notice that my only sources for data here are Government of Canada official sources. I acknowledge that 22,655 people have died from this, and I'm sad about anyone's passing, so it's about double or triple the usual death toll from the regular flu, except that it's almost uniquely an old person's disease. I'm not happy about anyone getting it, but a year into it, why are we shutting down young people and places for young people? In whose possible interest is that? Who benefits? Cui bono, as they say in Latin. Who, who wins here? Not parents, not the kids. Well, think, think, think. If we terrify and terrorize kids, but then someone says, I have an idea. I can stop the terror for a hundred bucks a kid. Well, maybe now we know who benefits from this. Well, let me read to you almost an entire press release from Pfizer, one of the drug companies selling a vaccine. The other day I read to you from Pfizer's investor relations press conference where they were super excited about having everybody uh, getting one dose moving to everyone getting two doses, that's double the money for Pfizer, and they were talking about getting everybody to have three doses. They're pretty excited over there at Pfizer. But really, aren't they ignoring a huge part of the market by not selling to kids? I mean, McDonald's has Happy Meals with a kid's toy in them. McDonald's even has little playgrounds right in some of their restaurants. Maybe Pfizer can do something like that. Get the kids excited about it. You know, Krispy Kreme says you get free donuts if you get the jab. Apparently, that's the public health solution. We're all looking for more donuts. Lock down the gyms, ban kids' sports, but free donuts for all. But let me read to you in full, or almost in full. I'll skip some boring parts. From uh, a Pfizer press release just yesterday. I'm going to read uh, extensively from it. I promise you won't see this anywhere else, certainly not in the media party. Uh, here's the headline. Pfizer-BioNTech announced positive top-line results of pivotal COVID-19 vaccine study in adolescence, March 31st, 2021. And then they have these subheadlines. In participants aged 12 to 15 years old, BNT162B2, that's the name of their vaccine, demonstrated 100% efficacy and robust antibody responses, exceeding those reported in trial of vaccinated 16 to 25-year-old participants in an earlier analysis and was well tolerated. The companies plan to submit these data to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and the European Medicines Agency as soon as possible to request expansion of the Emergency Use Authorization and EU Conditional Marketing Authorization for the vaccine. The companies also provided an update on the Phase 123 study in children aged 6 months to 11 years. Hey guys, our vaccine is 100% effective in kids. Yeah, we, we know because kids' immune systems are pretty much 100% effective. Uh, they may get the coronavirus, but, but it won't be serious and they won't die from it at least 99.98% of them will be just fine. But I'm just blown away by the fact that they're testing this emergency medicine for a disease that is an old person's disease. They're, they're testing it on children 12 to 15 years old, and they have started testing children of tender years as young as six months old. What kind of parent? tests a gene therapy drug. That's how it's described in the science. 
a gene therapy drug on a healthy baby, six-month-old baby. That baby's still nursing. That baby can't speak. That baby communicates in part by crying. Okay, so, uh, I mean, is this baby crying because all babies cry, or is this baby crying because you're testing a radical new emergency medicine on a baby? Who the hell would let their child be used as a lab rat in such an experiment? In college, I had a buddy who was always really short of money and desperate, and he signed up for a medical experiment. And he told me what it was like, basically hanging out all day with other people who were desperate for cash, smoking cigarettes and playing pool and board games. And he made that money, but it was just him, an adult, a single guy who needed cash. He made his decision for himself. But how desperate for cash do you need to be to let a pharmaceutical company test their experimental vaccine on your six-month-old baby for a disease that is a worry for people over 80 years old. Is that even ethical to do that to a baby? Here, I'll read more. It's a press release. New York and Mainz, Germany. Pfizer, Inc. and BioNTech today announced that in a phase three trial in adolescents 12 to 15 years of age, with or without prior evidence of SARS coronavirus 2 infection, the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, BNT162b2, demonstrated 100% efficacy and robust antibody responses, exceeding those recorded earlier in vaccinated participants aged 16 to 25 years old, and was well tolerated. These are top-line results from a pivotal phase three trial in 2,260 adolescents. Quote, we share the urgency to expand the authorization of our vaccine to use in younger populations and are encouraged by the clinical trial data from adolescents between the ages of 12 and 15, said Albert Bourla, chairman and chief executive officer Pfizer. We plan to submit these data to FDA as a proposed amendment to our emergency use authorization in the coming weeks and to other regulators around the world with the hope of starting to vaccinate this age group before the start of the next school year, unquote. There you go. They're in a real rush, aren't they? Wow, they want to vaccinate your children before the next school year. That's just a few months away. They've got a lot of money to make, people. Hurry up and approve this FDA. You can almost hear him salivate. You can almost hear the ka-ching in his mind. Here, I'll read more. Across the globe, we are longing for a normal life. This is especially true for our children. The initial results we have seen in the adolescent studies suggest that children are particularly well protected by vaccination, which is very encouraging given the trends we've seen in recent weeks regarding the spread of the B117UK variant. It is very important to enable them to get back to everyday school life and to meet friends and family while protecting them and their loved ones, said Yugur Sahin, CEO and co-founder of BioNTech. Really? I actually read their investor presentation the other day. They're, they're pretty eager to not have things go back to normal. They're pretty eager to have a third shot requirement. They're pretty eager to extend this emergency as long as possible. It's true that kids want to get back to normal life, but face mask theater and lockdowns and unnecessary vaccines, that is not normal life. And hey, um, Pfizer executives, why don't you test this drug on your kids first, not on mine? I'm going to read a paragraph with some jargon in it, but I think it's still understandable. About the phase three data from adolescents 12 to 15 years of age, the trial enrolled 2,260 adolescents 12 to 15 years of age in the United States. In the trial, 18 cases of COVID-19 were observed in the placebo group, 1,129 people, versus none in the vaccinated group, 1,131 people. Vaccination with BNT162b2, that's the vaccine, elicited coronavirus neutralizing antibody, antibody geometric mean titers of 1,239.5, demonstrating strong immunogenicity in a subset of adolescents one month after the second dose. Sorry for the jargon, I'm almost through it. This compares well, was non-inferior to GMTs elicited by participants aged 16 to 25 years old in an earlier analysis. Further, the vaccine administration was well tolerated with side effects generally consistent with those observed in participants 16 to 25 years of age. Okay, I'm through it. So if you miss that, they give the shot to 
1,131 kids, and they didn't give the shot to 1,129 kids. But that second group, they didn't tell which kids got the vaccine or the placebo. So for some of these kids, they pretended it was the vaccine, but it was nothing. And the 18 placebo kids had a case of the virus and none in the vaccine group. Uh, but, but what's a case of, of COVID-19? I take it no one died in this study. Did anyone even get sick? Or was it just a case? Well, what's a case? Is a case a false positive like this? If you test somebody today, uh, you only know if they're infected today. And in fact, if you're testing in a population that doesn't have very much COVID, you'll get false positives almost half the time. That is the person actually doesn't have COVID, they have something else, they may have nothing. So we're about to give kids by the millions a vaccine so they don't make a test result positive, not to protect their health, really, not to stop them from dying because they're not dying, but to stop cases. I'll read some more. The companies plan to submit these data to the FDA and EMA for a requested amendment to the emergency use authorization of the virus and the EU conditional marketing authorization uh, to expand use in adolescents 12 to 15 years of age as quickly as possible. All participants in the trial will continue to be monitored for long-term protection and safety for an additional two years after their second dose. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So you say you want to get this into kids' arms as soon as possible, before the next school year, but, but you, just, you just said you need to keep looking at these kids for at least two more years before you know that they're safe because you just injected them with it and it might have a long-term effect. You need two more years before you're sure, but you want to start giving this vaccine to my kids as quickly as possible. And get this, Pfizer and BioNTech plan to submit the data for scientific peer review for potential publication. You, know, you, you haven't done that yet? So you, you haven't had your work peer reviewed yet? You haven't had other people check your work yet? I mean, other than Pfizer business executives who are pretty excited that they can add a new kids Happy Meal product line. But look at this. Update on the phase one, two, three study in children six months to 11 years old. Last week, Pfizer and BioNTech dosed the first healthy children in a global phase one, two, three seamless study to further evaluate the safety, tolerability, and immunogenicity of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine in children six months to 11 years of age. The study is evaluating the safety, tolerability, and immunogenicity of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine on a two-dose schedule approximately 21 days apart in three age groups, children aged five to 11, two to five, and six months to two years. The five to 11-year-old cohort started dosing last week and the companies plan to initiate the two to five-year-old cohort next week. This is unreal. They never want this to stop, do they? They want what, Gil, what Bill Gates said he wanted. Every human to be injected. Children, pregnant moms, malnourished people, sick people, whatever, everyone. One big, enormous market. There's billions of dollars out there, folks. You know, there may actually be a legal emergency, as in some official has declared a state of emergency, but I'm not so sure there's an actual pandemic emergency anymore. COVID deaths aren't a significant reason why people die. Take, take a look at this. This is, again, Statistics Canada's a chart from StatsCan accounting the number of deaths in every single province every single week. I'm going to choose Ontario just because it's the biggest province, uh, just in, as, a, as an example. It's really the same for every province. Uh, I'll pick the most recent week they report for Ontario, which is November 8th, 2020. You'll see in that one week, 2,240 people died in Ontario. And I'm sorry that they died, but, but people die. Uh, they didn't die from, from COVID, though at least not most of them. Uh, 325 died from cancer, 225 for, uh, from a heart disease, 60 from a stroke, 45 from lung, lung disease, 40 from accidents. You can see that 90 are listed as COVID deaths, which means they died from or with COVID. And then you see 925 from other 
causes, and we could drill down into those. Those would include a number of other diseases and suicide. But here's my point. Out of 2,240 deaths in Ontario that one week, 4% of the deaths were deaths from someone that had COVID. 4%. 96% of the people who died in Ontario, nothing to do with COVID. I'd like to know how many suicides and drug overdoses came from the secondary effect of the COVID lockdowns, depression, unemployment. Oh, by the way, just, just to tell you, no children have died ever from COVID in Ontario. But Pfizer says it's an emergency. At least their shareholders think so. I'll read more. The Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine has not been approved or licensed by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, but has been authorized for emergency use by FDA under an emergency use authorization to prevent coronavirus disease for use in individuals 16 years of age and older. The emergency use of this product is only authorized for the duration of the declaration that circumstances exist justifying the authorization of emergency use of the medical product under Section 564B1 of the FDNC Act unless the declaration is terminated or authorization revoked sooner. Please see the emergency use authorization fact sheet for healthcare providers administering the vaccine, blah, blah, blah. So they, they're just giving you a little bit of the legal background, but they're saying this has not been approved other than on an emergency basis. Then in the press release, there's some corporate bragging, which I'm not going to read. I'll skip it over, but I want to read to you what they put at the very bottom of their press release, or almost at the bottom. I think their lawyers told them to put this in there. It's the warnings. It's the side effects. And it is quite a read. Tell me if you've seen this anywhere else in the media, okay? Important safety information from U.S. FDA emergency youth authorization prescribing information. Do not administer Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine to individuals with known history of a severe allergic reaction, e.g. anaphylaxis, to any component of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. Appropriate medical treatment used to manage immediate allergic reactions must be immediately available in the event an acute anaphylactic reaction occurs following administration of the vaccine. So don't give this to anyone who has allergic reactions and if you give it to anyone, have emergency allergy responses nearby, guys, okay? Monitor Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine recipients for the occurrence of immediate adverse reactions according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Guidelines. Immunocompromised persons, including individuals receiving immunosuppressant therapy, may have a diminished immune response to the, to the vaccine. The vaccine may not protect all vaccine recipients. Oh, okay. Hey, but kids, it's really great. Like a Happy Meal, you can even get a toy with it. Now read this. This is the crazy part. In clinical studies, adverse reactions in participants 16 years of age and older included pain at the injection site, 84%. Fatigue, 63%. Headache, 55%. Muscle pain, 38%. Chills, 32%. Joint pain, 24%. Fever, 14%. Injection site swelling, 10.5%. Injection site redness, 9.5%. Nausea, malaise, and lymphadenopathy. Can you imagine voluntarily giving this to your healthy child? And as I just showed you, they are still monitoring their human guinea pigs for two more years. They don't know what's going to happen to those kids in 6, 12, 18, 24 months, in five years. I'll read just a little bit more. Severe allergic reactions, including anaphylaxis, have been reported following the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine during mass vaccination outside of clinical trials. Additional adverse reactions, some of which may be serious, may become apparent with more widespread use of the Pfizer vaccine. You don't say. So we're actually part of the experiment, aren't we? Available data on the vaccine administered to pregnant women are insufficient to inform vaccine-associated risks in pregnancy. Imagine being so desperate for cash that you would let them test it on you when you had a baby in your womb. 
Imagine how desperate a woman must be to take cash from Pfizer to do that to her, her baby. Data are not available to assess the effects of Pfizer vaccine on the breastfed infant or milk production excretion. Oh, <laughs> you're part of the experiment, guys. And by the way, there's no research on mixing and max- matching vaccines. There are no data available on the interchangeability of the Pfizer vaccine with other vaccines to complete the vaccination series. Individuals who have received one dose of Pfizer vaccine should receive a second dose of Pfizer vaccine to complete the vaccination series. But we know they want a third dose. Vaccination providers must report adverse events in accordance with the fact sheet. The report should include the words Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine EUA in the description selection report. As we showed you yesterday, there have been more adverse reactions in the past year to vaccines than the past decade combined. So yeah, great news guys. The vaccine is now ready for your kids. And if you don't sign up your kids for these vaccines, no school, no sports, no summer camp, no, no shopping, no, no restaurants, no travel, no visiting other kids. This is absolutely for your health, you see. Absolutely doesn't have anything to do with enriching and empowering the public health industrial complex. <laughs> no. Wait, you're worried about your kids? You don't want this vaccine? What are you, some, some sort of monster? Stay with us. what's happening here guys so why are we getting such a tough time we've been through this so many times with you guys they just told us you were in the protest you're gonna come with us we'll understand now why is he being arrested documenting the protesters hey what's going on i need to hold my camera hey what's going on i need to hold my camera hey what's your problem Take it easy, buddy. What do you mean? You're smashing my camera. Why don't you? Why don't you use your guns and go after criminals? I don't listen to you. Come, come arrest me. Come arrest me. Go ahead. Come. I don't obey you. Go ahead. Come. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not wearing it. Go ahead. Go. Okay. Arrest me. Go. Let's go. Here. Don't wearing your mask. I told you guys, I was right. The collective forces of this nation is perverted, it's corrupted. They are thugs wearing badges. That's all they are. Turn off your uh, camera. No thanks. Okay, can you? Yeah, you're hey, not. Hey, hey, you don't hey, have hey, your hey, mask. Hey, hey, it's I'm okay. Media. I'm media. I don't put your hands on you. Why? Why are you your hands? Why are you putting your hands on me? You're not allowed to manhandle somebody. Why are you putting your hands on me? That is footage from Montreal, where our team was on the ground documenting what I think is the strictest lockdown in Canada. For months, I thought that dishonor belonged to Toronto. But not only does Montreal have a regular lockdown, they have a curfew at night treating adults like children, treating innocent people like criminals, treating the healthy people as if they are sick and poisonous. Well, our team was there, and as you can see, the police in Montreal don't like to be scrutinized. They didn't just arrest and ticket our people, they handcuffed our people. You saw uh, our friend Mocha Bazirgan there. Uh, Efron Monsanto was slammed up against a van. Lincoln was arrested. Thousands of dollars worth of tickets. Also our friend Yankee Pollock down there. Needless to say, we will not be deterred. We will be fighting all the tickets. Lord knows we fight tickets for any public citizen. We'll fight them for our own people, we will continue to shine a light for public scrutiny on what I believe 
is police brutality. Mocha, great to see you. I want to salute you and our other young reporters. You have a courage and a spirit of freedom in you that I find quite touching. And I want to thank you for being at some physical risk because they're pushing you around. They're, they're, they're threatening you, and yet you endure it and go back for more. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. My in, I went there initially to put a light on what's going on because three weeks before they deployed tear gas to the crowd. So, and I thought, what are we doing in Toronto? We should be there now that Toronto has ended the stay-at-home order. No longer the police goes around and arrests people randomly. So my focus was fished, um, shifted over there, and I didn't. I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want what's going on in Mon Montreal to go unnoticed. And the first time we arrived there two weeks ago, um, I was recording a gentleman's arrest for not wearing a mask. And while I was recording that, the police came up to me very close personally. They don't care about the two meter rule or anything. Um, he grabbed me by my arm and then pulled me over and then gave me a ticket for not wearing a mask and then um, tried to compel me to wear a mask that he provided with his hands and it's a contaminated one and I and told me if I don't wear that he would give me more tickets. Yeah, uh, And I, I saw that and the, you were outside. I think that's an important point. Mm -hmm. Everyone was walking around outside. I think he zeroed in on you quite clearly because you were recording him. I don't think police in Quebec are used to scrutiny. Uh, now, the other day, um, when you guys were in Montreal, you guys have been going there, and the police now know you. You could, you could see that mm -hmm. in that clip we played. They know Rebel News. They know our Montreal colleague, Yankee Pollock. He happens to be Jewish, um, but I think he's our only person there who's Jewish. Mm -hmm. You yourself were born Muslim in mm -hmm. Turkey. Uh, Lincoln, I think he's Christian. I mean, we don't. I don't check mm -hmm. the religion. It wasn't on my mind. But for him to call us Jewish media, or are you a Jew? That I thought that mm -hmm. was weird, and I don't understand it. I don't know. I, I I don't like it if it's some sort of anti-Semitic thing. I think they just don't like any media. Mm -hmm. I think we could be any color, any race, any background. Mm -hmm the police would hate us anyways mm -hmm. because we're showing what they're doing. That I'm trying to make sense of that whole thing. What's your, what did you think that was all about? I don't know what's going on internally with the officers there, but they are very unprofessional, very amateur. And the first night when we were going around downtown recording the curfew, um, we came across a guy who was smoking a cigarette in front of his apartment and there were two police cruisers. So we asked the person, and this is all on camera, what's going on here? And he said, oh, the police officers are here to um, bust the party. So we walk up to the police, we record some B-rolls, and then the police officer comes out of his vehicle and says, what are you doing here? We're like, oh, we're media, we were recording, we heard there was a party. And he's like, oh, it's 3 a.m., um, some 3 a.m., like some, I don't remember the exact hour. And then um, he, he says, oh, in your paper, your workplace is in Toronto, and here you are in Montreal. And we're like, this is our workplace. We, You go where the news is. Yeah, exactly. And um, he said, well, I beg to differ. How come other media is not doing it? Yep. And also uh, this uh, this as well. I'm just going to get my ID in my... How about you close your phone? And you, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, this is our job. Sorry. Yeah, we have to do like, You're not obligated. Sorry. I'm, no, there's no legal obligation. I'm being paid no, to do this as a journalist. We have to record everything. Can you hold this for a second? Yes. So what are you doing outside? Uh, what are you doing outside? We're looking for police interactions no, you're not. with the citizens. Because it says here that under the law, you're allowed only to go from your home to your place of work. Yeah, this is our work. We are. I would, I would beg to differ. In what sense? We're here to record how the curfew is. I don't see people from CBC or CTV outside. That doesn't matter. We choose to go out. No, but that doesn't say. I mean, I'm not saying. Yeah, you can choose to go out, but it, it says here that you're only obligated. You're only allowed to go from from your house to your place of work. This is to me. That's and and you told me that on the phone mm -hmm. when we spoke. To me, that's the giveaway. It's not, I mean, I, there may be some anti-Jewish feeling. I don't know. Uh, I don't know Montreal that well. Mm -hmm. I know the Orthodox Jewish community has a lot of friction with the police. So there may be that.
But I think what you said is what's going on. Mm -hmm. the, the media, or what I call the media party, the, mm -hmm. the legacy media, the government media, the bailout media, they're very compliant. Mm -hmm. They support the lockdowns. Their jobs haven't been damaged. Mm -hmm. they, they either cheerlead or they don't cover it at all. So I actually think the cops are shocked that any media would dare to scrutinize yeah. and would ask skeptical questions and wouldn't be obedient stenographers. I think they're just mad anyone's reporting mm -hmm. them. They were also, I think, mad because we kept recording because after um, questioning us why we were here and why we were recording, he told me, you are under no legal obligation to record. Well, of course, we're not under a legal obligation. It's our choice to record. I, whenever a cop says, turn off your camera. No, thanks. No, you know, get a court order. There's mm -hmm. no such thing as a cop saying, turn off your camera. That, that's not a thing. Mm -hmm. But why would a cop say that? It's because something's about to happen yeah. that they don't want either the public to see or maybe even a judge to see. They themselves don't have dash cams or body cams. And what I noticed, their name tags are made of some material, like metal, I think. And sometimes when the sun hits, it shines back at the camera and you can't see the name. You know, it's interesting, our friend Yankee Pollock, and he does a lot of social media, so he's not uh, frequently a reporter, although because he's out there, he goes out and he just mm -hmm. walks around and he films things and he's done some interesting work that does, way. Yeah. And so they know him now, he's very mm -hmm. friendly, he's very chatty, he'll talk mm -hmm. to anyone mm -hmm. and, so, and he's not mean. So he actually engages with these cops and, and they know him. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they like him because they've given him, I think more than $10,000 mm -hmm. worth of fines, even though he shows them his exemption every time. The move they use against him that really bugs me is they have those very bright searchlights mm -hmm. And whenever Yankee comes to ask him a question, they take a searchlight and point it right in his face uh, to, to defeat the camera and also to cause him discomfort and make him look away and to obscure themselves. I, I think that that is sh childish, bullying, um, aggressive, belligerent, and I think it shows a guilty mind. Mm -hmm. It shows that they're doing something they're not proud of, those cops. Mm -hmm. Hey, the other media don't report us. Hey, I'm going to block your camera with a light. Hey, you can turn off your camera now. <laughs> That's all a, a poker tell, a giveaway that they know what they're doing is mm -hmm. wrong. Yeah, and the second week when we came, we didn't even go into the demonstration yet. We, were, we just arrived and there were two officers walking and we were recording them. They noticed us and then they came around and grabbed me for not wearing a mask. Of course, this is not about mask or anything because all the supervisors that I noticed in different locations, different times, the supervisors are not wearing the mask for some reason. Mm. The police, the police supervisors. supervisors, yes. And um, the second time when I was arrested, I already had my mask on. It was it was not just an ordinary mask. It was a mask that also it was a mask we bought because. They deployed tear gas. That's two right. Weeks so ago. it was an excellent filter. It wasn't just like a little blue paper mask. Yeah. It was in case the police tried to tear gas you. Mm -hmm. So that that's actually you probably had the best mask on the street. Yes, and I have been wearing that for a half of the demonstration because I knew that the riot police would ambush the protesters and then pick randomly who they want to arrest. And they arrested this guy who was already wearing a mask, and that was very interesting to us. And we were trying to record, we were trying to understand what's going on, but they wouldn't let us go through. Mm -hmm. And we didn't attempt to, to go through, actually. And Efron, they wouldn't let us go through even after they, um, you know, grabbed the guy and they were going back. Lincoln was on the sidewalk. He was arrested after they let us inside. Mm -hmm. And when, when he was arrested, I removed my mask. And this, my mask was on all the time. And David did an interview with this gentleman in Queen's Park. He had the same mask. You can't hear a single word of the guy, what, he, what he's saying, because the mask blocks it. So I removed the mask to say, why are you arresting him? They are not violent people. Mm -hmm. they are, why did you arrest two members of the media? And then this big cop, riot police, comes and says, put back your mask on. And for two seconds, I put it back. And then I'm, my brain just, I, I've... I said, wait, who is he to tell me to do that? So I removed it, and what are you going to do? Arrest me? Go ahead. I don't obey you. Yeah. Why don't you? Why don't, 
Why don't you use your guns and go after criminals? I don't listen to you. Come, come arrest me. Come arrest me. Go ahead. Come. Go. I don't obey you. Go ahead. Come. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not wearing it. Go ahead. Go. Okay. Arrest me. Go. Let's go. Yeah. Well, it's unusual to have such principled courage, and I, that's how I started our interview. I I watched that footage, especially Efron, our head of video. I felt that was deeply uh, unfair and abusive and harassing the way they treated him. And and again, I I don't know if it's if there's a bit of anti-Semitism towards Yankee. You and Efron, I think, would be called. Visible minorities. Mm -hmm. I don't. I, I don't know. Uh, so I don't know if there's any of that there. I don't. I don't necessarily think it's any of those things. I think it's that you're shining a light of public scrutiny, and it's not that you're from Toronto. It's not that you're wearing a mask or not. It's mm -hmm. not that Yankees Jewish. It's not that Efron or you have a certain skin color. It's none of those things. Mm -hmm. that, that may be part mm -hmm. of it too, but it is because you are telling the other side of the story. Mm -hmm. And they hate that. Yeah, they are trying to intimidate and deter us from continually coming there every weekend. Well, That's... that gets my back up. Mm -hmm. And I remember when that happened at City Hall in Toronto, and the police were driving you and David Menzies away, and we all showed up as a team. Mm -hmm. I believe that we have to go back to Montreal, you and our team of young guys, you and Lincoln and if Efron and Sid, we got a bunch of young guys, it's great. But I think if the police continue uh, to defy our Canadian norms of freedom of press um, and, and rule of law policing, I think our whole team has to deploy yeah. just to sh with lawyers in tow, mm -hmm. just like we did in Toronto. Because this isn't even just about us anymore. It's about what is Canada like a year into the lockdowns. We can't just passively accept what everyone else has accepted. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm afraid that what is going on in Quebec will come to Ontario, Alberta, British Columbia, because they have been going through these curfews for almost more than a month now. And the police walks around and grabs whoever they like who don't wear a mask, especially reporters. You said one more thing to me when we were talking on the phone, um, when you were out mm -hmm. there and I was here. You said, I think you said, it's like Istanbul. Is that oh, what yeah. you said to me? In Istanbul, lately, it, this has become a thing in my, when I was living there. It wasn't like that before. There is like so many police officers everywhere. And um, these new hires, are they, they only need a high school diploma to become an officer with gun. And they go around and uh, randomly stop people at major intersections at the middle of the night in a, in a suburb neighborhood or um, in a, in a, on the street anywhere. And if you're lucky, if you go from point A to B in Istanbul without being stopped by police and get your bag searched. And we have, I have seen many videos where in Istanbul outdoors, you have to wear the mask. And there was this guy who pulled down his mask and he was smoking a cigarette. Or there was this girl who was talking on the phone without a mask outside. The police will come up to her or him and the media will come there and they will record the police giving her a ticket. And then the headlines would be, oh, um, look at this woman giving the police a tough time. Hmm. Yeah, so, and it does, Quebec feels, Montreal felt like that because I was in a single day um, abducted by police. How they, many times? It, in um, Montreal? Well, in one day, I was abducted t twice. They tried to put me in the back of a police car to give me a ticket. Yeah, that was crazy. And they put Efron in handcuffs just to give him a failure to wear a mask covering. That's absurd. Ticket. Those are just tickets. Those are not criminal offenses. It would be like if you were parking in a no parking zone and arrested and thrown in the back of a police car. I find these things deeply disturbing. But at the same time, I'm very encouraged by our people. And I'm also encouraged by the fact that Quebec, where we're not normally strong, we, we don't speak French. We don't cut, we, I mean, Yankee does some journalism from Montreal, but we haven't had a force on the ground. But even in the last few weeks, 
thousands, tens of thousands, I don't know, maybe hundreds of thousands of people in Quebec have turned to Rebel News for our side of the story. And I and you were mentioning to me that people came up to you. Mm -hmm. uh, do you give me a little, give yeah, our viewers we a little were, bit of that. Yeah, we were marching with the protests on the sidewalk, recording, collecting B-roll, and people would come in and like four, five, six people at times, and they would give us fifth, fifth bumps, and they would some of them don't even know English. Hmm. And when I got my first ticket, um, two ladies came up to us, and um, they took selfies with me hmm. with the ticket, and they said, oh, we love Rebel News, and they, they, they weren't even speaking proper English. They were Quebecers. So, and when we first went there, we didn't have any, nobody knows us in the march, so nobody came up to us and, hey, Rebel News, but this week it was different. It's very interesting, it's very encouraging. We're gonna keep doing what we do. Obviously, we're gonna fight your tickets. I think we're gonna take a larger action against the police. It's one thing to fight the tickets, that's a defensive mm -hmm. move, but I think we have to proactively push back on the police in some legal manner because handcuffing, arresting, harassing, I, I find it weird the way they call us Jew media or whatever. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I don't know if that's, I, I don't quite understand that. Mm -hmm. I think it's weird. Mm -hmm. I wanna learn more about that. Mm -hmm. I think we have to proactively push back to the police. I think we've done that here in Toronto. You, Mocha, Lincoln were also assaulted in Toronto. We're suing 11 police officers mm -hmm. uh, in Toronto. And I'm not afraid to do that in Montreal too, because it's the rule of law. As I always say, if these policemen don't understand civil liberties and the rule of law and the limits on their power, mm -hmm. maybe they need a judge to tell them. And, and I will, I don't know what other media do. Sounds like other mm -hmm. media are compliant, mm -hmm. but as long as we have breath in us, we will push back against this tyranny, and you used some tough language at the beginning mm -hmm. of the show. I think you used the word thugs. I understand mm -hmm. that because if some if someone has a gun and a badge, but they abuse those mm -hmm. things, if abuse they that step power, outside their boundaries within, if they think they are beyond or above the law, then they are no longer an officer of the law in my eyes. I think that, I think that's a very important point. The police, more than anyone else, have to follow the law especially if they want the public's respect and support. And I say this as a lifelong supporter of police. I didn't grow up in Istanbul where the mm -hmm. police were uh, like a, a, a quasi-police state. I grew up in Alberta. Everyone loved and respected police. My childhood, my childhood dream was to become a police officer, hmm. but that took a 180 degree turn now. Isn't that interesting? Well, Mocha, uh, congratulations to you on your journalism. Uh, you have a new title, Chief Videographer. <laughs> I think it's true. So keep up the great work. We've got your back. Uh, there's a lot of team spirit here mm -hmm. uh, supporting your work. I think it's very important. And um, maybe uh, I might join you one of these days out in Montreal. I love that city. A lot of the fun parts of it are closed, the restaurants, the bars. Mm -hmm. and it's a lively city. I'm sure it still has life. Oh, yeah, it does. Well, uh, I'm, maybe I'll go out there and, yeah. and, and take a look myself. Yeah, it would be wonderful to go there as a team. Right on. There you have it. Mocha Bazirgan, our chief videographer, who has been leading the charge uh, with our team, Efron and Lincoln and Sid and David and others. And I promise you we'll keep it up. Stay with us more ahead. On the show last night, Isabel writes, the people celebrating this are the same ones who bemoaned Trump as a fascist dictator, American or not, for four years. Never have I seen such massive acceptance of a police state. It's incredible. And I, you know what? I grew up in a Jewish school uh, and, and the teachers, when I was in grade one, two, three kind of thing, uh, the teacher and the principal were actually Holocaust survivors. They met in the concentration camp. They came to Canada. It was the Eichlers. And, and so we learned about the Holocaust. This is in the 70s. So it was only 30 years before. And I thought, how could that possibly happen? How could people have gone along with it? How could the Jews have not seen it coming? Why didn't they flee? How could other people, like I just kept saying, how, how, how? It almost seemed like an impossible uh, freak accident, like a black swan moment. And 
But I kept thinking, really, why didn't the Jews leave? Because, you know, 1933, 1935, the Nuremberg Laws, 37, 38, 38 you know, uh, Reichstag fire, the Kristallnacht, all these things, and yet the Jews stayed. Some left, but why did most stay? Because they thought, oh, it's fine. Oh, it's fine. It'll get better. No, we can. And I, and I'm not comparing the pandemic to a Holocaust, but I'm comparing how we cope and how we minimize and how we say, no, this is fine. No, it's fine. Sure, it's a diminution of our freedoms, but we, we can handle it. I mean, I, I never thought I could understand how people could abide it and obey it and submit to it, but now I understand completely. And I also can understand how some people are drawn to an authoritarian police state who love being snitches and turning in others. I did not understand that as a child learning about the Holocaust. I understand that now. Barry writes, Ford, it's not for the people. The government is getting a lot closer to total control. You know, I couldn't believe it when I learned that the um, Blue Jays, baseball team in Toronto, they're moving to Florida. (laughs) They're not sticking around. The Toronto Blue Jays are now the Florida Blue Jays. I don't know if they changed it. They're just going to play down there. They're sick of it. Uh, Florida, free, healthy, successful. Um, Even states like New York and California are freeing up. But Ontario and Quebec are getting more abusive towards citizens. How long before, as I just said, people leave? Not everyone. Some people can't leave. Some people are too old to leave. Some people have too much inertia. But seriously, why would you stay? Dave writes, all political leaders and frankly all civil servants should have their salaries rolled back to $2,000 per month until all the lockdowns in the jurisdiction are removed. You know, uh, that'll work for some of them. Others, they're independently wealthy. I think of the mayor of Toronto, John Tory. He's a gazillionaire. He's not in it for the money. He's in it for social status, um, to feel uh, powerful, for connections. So yeah, hooking some politicians' personal fortunes up to the fortunes of the people would have an effect. But for some people who are independently wealthy, I don't think it would work. That's our show for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.